Before I get started, a, a couple things. I um, I know that the amen's on when Pastor Shelley was talking about us men being able to do things by ourselves. There was there was there was a little bit too vigorous of an amen on the part of the ladies here, but uh, and I know it was really loud over here where I was sitting back there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Callan, it's, it's, what's bad? You know, it's like, you know, at least us guys, let's stick together. But no, Callan always goes to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, you know, cause he knows who's cooked dinner, does his laundry, you know, yeah. So anyway, um, I, I have one other thing I just want to say. I, I, I do want to thank everyone last week who shared from their heart. Last week was very, very special. It was one of my, I mean, you're probably not supposed to have favorite services and all, but just of experiences of, of, of God and just hearing each one of those of you who shared and just shared your heart and shared what God was doing in your lives. It was just so fun to be a part and to hear and to have people stepping out. Cause I, I think for every single person, you know, they, some of them said it, some, you know, like, uh, but, but I'm just thankful for this church, for us as a body of believers. Thank you for our leadership, for Pastor Eric, because he had to be willing to open the door too. And, um, but he, you know, so God is good. And so it's just exciting to see what, what God is doing. I'm trying to keep straightening up this. I'm just not going to worry about it. So I'm going to just pray and then we'll get started. So Father God, we thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, we just thank you that you are the God for whom nothing is impossible. And so Lord, as we partner with you, God, and as, as, as you allow us to hold your hand, Lord, we thank you, God, that you can do great and mighty things through each one of us. And so, God, we just, as we step into this today, God, I just believe and receive that you open our hearts, our, our ears, our understanding to, to hear what you're saying today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, some of you have been here this summer when I've been ministering, and I'm going to actually continue with that same vein or whatever. We're still in Judges chapter 6. Um, so I just want to do a quick recap, kind of just to pick up where we've been and then kind of hit the meat of where we're going to be spending time today. But um, if if you're we're here, you already know all this. If you weren't, just to kind of get everybody kind of sort of close to the same place. But um, we've been talking about Gideon and God's interactions with Gideon. Gideon was... You know, when it first starts out, Gideon's hiding his harvest and he's, you know, but God shows up. Even when he was hiding, God showed up and God began to speak to him. And one of the things that God speaks to Gideon is that you're going to lead an army of your nation, Israel, and you're going to take on these, the Midianites who at that time were overrunning the land and were the reason why Gideon was hiding in the first place. So, um, so Gideon, you know, this angel of the Lord, he sees, sees this person speaking with him and, and Gideon, we talked about this one of the weeks that I was speaking or one of the times, um, Gideon wants to make sure, God, is this really you? Is this really you that I'm dealing with? You know, because you're asking me to do something really 
out of my comfort zone to lead an army to take on the enemy that I'm hiding from right now. So, so that's what we talked about one week. And just to kind of catch up with the scriptures, and this is what happens next. So we're going to kind of pick up here, and we'll be really focusing a little bit later. But this is Judges chapter 6, verse 22. When Gideon saw, so this is after all the verification, you know, the, the angel disappears and all kinds of stuff. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to, to Gideon, peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. So it goes on, the next verse. So after this little message from God, then Gideon builds an altar there to the Lord, and he named it, the Lord is peace. To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abiezerites. This is where Joshua, Joshua's place where he lived. So that altar was still standing when this was written. All right. So just a couple things from this. And this is kind of really where we're going to be focusing on today. When we read the scriptures, a lot of times we have this idea that these people grew up in church, that they were strong Christians. You know, I mean, obviously this is Old Testament. There are no Christians, but it's just kind of like you know, we're reading the Bible, right? We read the Bible in churches and everybody a Christian. And we kind of just think that these people we're reading about are something special, something different, something unusual. But I really, really, really want us to remember with Gideon, and we're going to see this more. We're really going to kind of get into this today, that Gideon has no experience with God. Zero. None. He's never heard from God. He's never seen God. He's never read his Bible. He didn't go to Sunday school. Okay. He didn't do any of those things. So that's why it was such a big deal for him to make sure, okay, like, I don't know who you are that you're asking me to do this. And he wanted to make sure. Um, so, but in this little interaction that's just in these couple of verses, Gideon walks away with a couple things that are really, really special. Like if you're going to get something from God, your first encounter with him and your first meeting with him, if we get these two things, we're doing pretty good. So let's see what he got. The first revelation that Gideon walks away with, and this is something that, that God, it's this angel of the Lord says to him, he says, peace be unto you. And, and Gideon gets that. He gets that. He gets that. The Lord, God, you're bringing peace. That's, that's really profound. That's like, wow, my first encounter with God, I'm not sure I got that. There's a second revelation that, that Gideon gets, and I love this. The revelation that God isn't going to kill him. It's a pretty good start. If you, okay, okay, God might be a good God, and he might be out there for my peace, and he's not going to kill me. It's a pretty good start. I don't know about you. You know, whenever I was just reviewing this and, and looking at this again before, just, just kind of meditating on what I would be sharing today, I thought back to when I first started with the Lord. You know, it's funny. We, we talk about, we talked about in Sunday school today how, you know, whenever I was in church and we would have missionaries come. And I was super, super afraid as a child that God would ask me to go 
somewhere I didn't want to go. And so that wasn't my first, you know, God, you're going to take me out into the backside of Africa where Pastor Eric is, you know, and I'm going to die there. You know, I mean, there was just fear, 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 fear. I didn't want to get close to God when I first, and of course, I'm just a child, you know, in big people church. They didn't have kids church in those days. And, you know, so, so the fact that Gideon walked away that God wasn't going to kill him, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good start. Pretty good start. So, but let's kind of see what happens. The, um, it's, uh, he also does something else. Okay, so he gets that God's maybe got peace on his mind where Gideon is concerned and where the nation of Israel is concerned. God's not going to kill him, but he also has a response. If you remember, one of the things that, that um, Gideon did is he brought an offering. This was from the last service, so I'm not going to go into that. But Gideon builds something this time. The other time he just, again, this is all one thing. I'm breaking it apart, but... Gideon brought something last time. This time he builds something. He brought something. He brought an offering. If you remember, the angel struck it with his staff and it went up and, you know, so it's pretty impressive, this whole thing that happens. But this time he builds something. And if, if you remember where I didn't put it back in here, but what Gideon built could be seen by later generations. You're talking about somebody who has very little experience with the Lord, and yet he has already started to build something in his relationship with God that's going to last for generations. Pretty, pretty significant. So he builds an altar. If, if you know your Bible you know that there's some other altar builders in scriptures. And, and one of them is Abraham. And I don't know if Gideon had heard of the altars that, that had been built by his ancestors or not. The scripture doesn't tell us. We don't know. But he responds by building an altar. He built a place of worship. This is a ring through to some, some worshipers in the audience. He built a place of worship. And that place of worship was dedicated to this God. He'd been seek, speaking to him, this Jehovah Shalom. He's building an altar to this new God that he's encountered. Like, boom. So Gideon has gone. From somebody, you can turn the slide. Gideon is gone from someone who, and again, the scriptures don't tell us. It's like, got my little checklist when I get to heaven, when I look him up and say, okay, you know, but I can't. I don't, we don't know. We don't know some of the details here. But we're going to find out here in a few scriptures a little bit more about this, which we've mentioned this several times as I've gone through this little series. But Gideon grew up. I definitely can say that Gideon grew up in a household that worshipped Baal. He, they, were, they were not worshippers of the God of Israel. They were Israelites. They were Jews, but they didn't worship him. 
They were Israelites. They were Jews. But his household did not worship God, the God we serve. They worshiped this false god, Baal. So, so in this encounter, so this is a big deal. So, so Gideon building this altar, again, he didn't grow up in Sunday school. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't really have any relationship with God. So the fact that in his response, he's, he completely changes from the rest of his family to a new way. He completely changes from what they're doing, and he is doing something different. So, so it's a pretty big deal. What, what Gideon is doing is pretty impressive. So, so, and when you stop and think about it, and again, the scripture doesn't really say, but we know that Gideon somehow that talked about the angel disappearing. So the last thing we know, the angel disappears, and these things are happening. And so it doesn't say that he saw anyone speak to him, but he heard a message from God saying that, don't be afraid, you're not going to die. Peace be unto you. So he heard God. So, so he goes all the way from this being growing up in a household that worships a false god, all the way to the place where he hears God's voice and he receives messages from him. So, so again, it's a pretty, you know, you know, he's got it in, you know, whatever gear, sixth gear, and he's, he's going. He is making some real progress here. And so now he's doing real well. Let's get back into the scriptures and see what happens next because we've kind of laid this groundwork. Let's, let's keep going. So back to the scriptures. This is Judges 6.25. So here's Gideon. He's done real well. He's built his altar, something that's going to stand for generations. He's kind of made his personal stand. He had no witnesses that we know of to what, of any of that. We don't know for sure, but, you know, so that's kind of his personal place with God. Verse 25. Now on the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old. And pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah, which is a pole, Asherah pole that is beside it. Um, so I'm going to just read that again. So, so this is Gideon. This is the message God gives to him. On that same night, the Lord says to him, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. So remember, everybody else is going this way, and Gideon, he's like, okay, I'm going to go this way. <laughs> and then God asks him to do this. Pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down this other, other worship system to this other goddess, Asherah, that is beside it. So, okay, hmm. So what is God asking? So we've talked a little bit about this, and I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but 
just, I mean, it's hard, I think, for us because we've grown up in a culture that's pretty Christian. I mean, yes, we can argue where it's headed right now, but but for most of us, especially if you're my generation or older, um, things were way different. But it's hard for us to understand a culture that has other religions, first of all. Like, like if you, here in this community, we just see different kinds of Christian churches. But if you go to Lawton, you'll see mosques and you'll see, you know, so like we're just not used to seeing other systems of religion. They're not around us for the most part. I mean, you could see it on TV or different things, but, but, but in his world, in Gideon's world, his house, Gideon's house had an altar dedicated to this false God. So like there were no altars to Yahweh. There was no altar. There were no churches. Everybody was going the other way. And so these two, you know, and I'm not even going to go into all the details. You can look it up yourself if you want to know a little bit about Baal and Asherah. But they, but they were the deity, deities, the false gods that were worshipped in Canaan, the promised land. If you think about Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and, he, and Joshua brings them into the promised land. There was false worship. They didn't worship Yahweh in, in that area. They had all these false gods. And these are two of them that were worshipped before the Israelites ever got there. So think about this. Gideon's family came out of, you know, grandparents, great-grandparents came out of Egypt, got into the land of Israel, and if you read your scriptures, you'll see that they said over and over, we're going to serve God, we're going to serve God, we're going to serve God. And here, by the time we get to the Judges chapter 6, they've come a long ways away from that already. And they are worshiping the gods that were in the land before. Away from Yahweh, now they're just completely worshiping these other gods. And it doesn't even explain why or how this happened. We don't know. So we can go to the next slide. Um, all right. For all we know, you know, this is something that's gone on for some time. Bible doesn't really say. We just know that this is his father's, father's altar. All right. Next slide. So what is it that the Lord is asking Gideon to do? Okay. So take two bulls of your father. Okay. His his. First bull, and then a second one that he's had around for seven years. So we, we don't live, I mean, some people may sort of kind of live in an agrarian agriculture, whatever, but in this day, that was a big deal. Some people try to explain it that an animal like that had the value of a pickup truck today. And nowadays, pickup trucks like 50, 60 up, upwards, you know. So, so this is a big deal. You're not talking about something little, and it's his dad's. Okay? It's not his. It's not just Gideon's own stuff. It belongs to his dad. Okay? So, 
And he's had it for seven years. It could be his favorite one for all we know, his dad's favorite one. We don't know. Okay, but if you can think of an attachment to a pickup truck, ooh, that could be a problem. Okay, so, so not only take these bulls, but tear down, tear down the, the altar that your father worships at. And that other, well, again, we just, just mentions the Asherah pole, but there's two systems of worship. One deity's name was Baal, false god Baal, and there was a goddess Asherah, and they kind of worked together, and people worshiped both. And, and so this is the challenge. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Gideon, who do you fear more? I'm just going to say la on that for a little bit. Because this is a turning point for Gideon. Gideon's done real well. Just to kind of review again, he's, he's built an altar, he's worshipped, he's brought an offering to God. It's, it's like, God, I'm going to go your way. I'm going, to, I'm going to go your way. But God doesn't ask him to stop there. He gives him a next step. He gives Gideon a next step. And this is what this next step, we've already gone what it is. And in this next step, Gideon has to make a choice. Who do you fear more? Now, I'll be honest with you. My dad is 86. I'm not going to his house and messing with his stuff without talking to him about it first. And that's this culture, this generation. I can't even imagine what it was like then. Because family was pretty much everything. They did not have a king. They didn't have, I mean, it's family. Like what you have is Family, and that's pretty much it. And God is asking Gideon to go down to the whatever. It's probably it sounds from Scripture that it's just right outside their front door to this worship place that his father has built and take probably two of the most valuable things that his father owns and kill it and tear down that altar. And you're going to, you know, we didn't, we didn't even go into it because it's the next scripture. Then you're going to offer those bulls on that, you know, rebuild an altar. It's kind of the next step. We're not even going to get to that today. We're just going to focus on this. But, but you know, so, but who do you fear more? So remember, Gideon is not a person who's fearless. When we meet Gideon, he's hiding hiding from the enemy because he's afraid the enemy will come and steal his little bit of harvest that he's managed to gather. So Gideon does not have a good track record of being this courageous, valiant warrior that God says that God wants him to become and says that he is. And so as Gideon is making this journey in his relationship with the Lord, God gives him this test, if you will, to determine who does Gideon fear more? Does he fear his father more? If he fears his father more, what's going to happen? He's not going to do anything, is he? Okay. 
Hmm. So that's the next one. Who do you fear more? Do you fear Baal? Remember, this is the probably this could be just about, other than the fact that they worship lots of idols in those days, but this could this is his family's worship structure. This is his family's God. This is who his father has built an altar to out his front door from what it sounds like in scripture. And he's seen this thing possibly his whole life. And as far as he knows, he's a real God. Does he feel, does he fear Baal more? Does he fear Asherah? Who was the pole? Who do you fear? Like, where's it at? Or are you going to obey this true and living God who's been speaking to you? Who do you fear more? Who do you fear more? So, and we've already talked about that if he feared his father more, he wouldn't have done anything. And if he feared Baal or Asherah more, what would have been the result? Would he have done anything? No. No. So Gideon has a choice. He has a decision he has to make. He has this capacity to become, God has said, Gideon, you're a valiant warrior, and you're going to deliver Israel. That was the first encounter for those, you know, it was the first, if you back up a few verses, we're in verse 25, but if you take chapter 6 and back up, you'll get to where God gives Gideon that message. But just because Gideon has that prophetic word or message, is it a guarantee that it will happen or that he will do it? So we can see this is, this is an important step. Whatever this step that God is asking Gideon to do is important. You can go ahead and go on. So I'll, I'll go to the next slide. And then you can, so this, yeah, stop here. So I want to, I want to, I want to really, really emphasize this point. This is, this is the big point of the whole message. I know this is a little different again. There is something more that God required of Gideon. And it was more than his worship. Well, what do you mean? Let's look at what he was, let's look at it again. So remember, Gideon built an altar. Is that a good thing? It's a good thing, right? Is it a good thing to be, bring offerings? Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to build altars. It's a good thing to bring offerings. Is it good to hear from God? Yeah, all of those are good things. But was that enough? <laughs> I know why we're quiet because it's like, no, Lord, you mean there's more? You mean there's more to the Christian life than just coming to church? When I was going through this and I got to this one place and, and I saw that written down as I wrote it down, it was just like, 
because we think, well, how do I want to put it? We pride ourselves, maybe, that we're worshipers. And we come to church, and we have done our duty, so to speak. But there's so much more. And and I think that's the thing, the kind of the challenge. I want to go back to what happened last week. Every single person who participated, stood up, shared, did something in that service, did more than just come to church. <laughs> Do you think God was happy that they did that? Were you blessed because of what each one stood up? And as they may have been, <laughs> as, as one person put it, and thank you so much for being willing to share, but they said, you guys, you guys aren't near as scary as I thought you would be. <laughs> you know, there's more. There's more. There's more. If we are to become what God wants us to be, it's going to take what we see in these few verses with Gideon. It's going to take coming to that place where God has said, I really would like it if you did this. And we're willing to obey. And we're willing to obey. And it may be something kind of really big and kind of really scary and kind of like, man, I don't know what's going to happen when I take my father's pickup truck. And, you know, I mean, in our world, I have to put it in that context and set it on fire. <laughs> you know, How's dad going to think about that? You know, and some of you may know the scriptures. He does do this. He does it at night. It's like, I love the scriptures because they put that part in. It's like, yes. He wasn't courageous enough to do it during the day, but he did it at night. And it's like, I like that. He took people with him to help him, but they did it. They did everything God asked them to do. And, and you'll see as you go through, if you just read a few more verses, you'll see that the, it wasn't his father that got upset. It was the community that wanted to kill Gideon. So, like, this is a community worship center that he just take, you know, okay, I'm going to qualify this statement. In our world, in our day, you know, some of you, you know, take one of the Baptist churches and burn it down. That's what, this is a significant thing. Okay, is that going to cause a problem with anybody in town if we do that? Okay, I am not saying, okay, out in their internet land, you know, I qualify that statement. I'm not telling anybody to go burn down any other church. But that's what this was. It was a big deal that God asked him to do. And it stirred up a lot of people and it made a lot of people mad. But the one person that Gideon was concerned about obeying and pleasing was who? At this point, I can't even say that Gideon is necessarily super concerned or excited about leading an army and risking his life. 
but he was willing to do what that next step was. He was willing to take that next step. Um, I, I think, I think that, um, I think that we're getting it. On the other end of the promises that God has given to Living Word Fellowship Church, on the other end of every promise and every prophetic word or anything you've ever seen in the scriptures where it's like, wow, God, you really want to do that for me? On the other end of every one of those things is going to be a challenge. It's going to require us stepping out and obeying and doing something we were uncomfortable doing. Again, God orchestrated that picture of what, what does that, you know, we have a picture of what that looks like because we've all seen it. Last week we saw that and it was different and it didn't have a PowerPoint and it didn't, it didn't look the same. It didn't sound the same. And some of us might've been like, wow, God, you know, God, wow, you know, but we might've been uncomfortable when somebody stands up and starts to minister to try to, you know, to, to step in faith, trying to be obedient to what they feel like God is saying for them to do. And, and we might've been uncomfortable when some of that took place. Because it's like, well, if you're asking him to do that, maybe there might be some day that you're going to ask me to do that. But the thing we have to remember is what's on the other end. How many of us want to see people saved, set free, healed, delivered, and on and on and on? It's going to take us doing something. <laughs> I know that sounds really obvious. I mean, it's, this isn't, this isn't a, what do you call it? A, you know, I mean, you don't have to be able to add, what is it, Callan quadratic formula. And I mean, you don't have to do sixth and seventh grade math, you know, thank God. You know, it's not, it's, it's just a matter of stepping out and being willing to say, okay, God, what's my next step? What's my next step? <laughs> I, 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 it always seems like the Lord gives me these kind of messages. Um, please, nobody burn their father's truck tonight. <laughs> nobody burn down the First Baptist Church. That is not your next step. That is not your next step, I'm telling you. But it is going to be something that probably seems just that big and just that scary. Because it might be, like for me, going to my neighbor can be scary. I can't say anything else. <laughs> I, can, I can't say anything else. Anyway. So, so, and it doesn't have to be necessarily something big. It might be something small. Who knows? Who knows? But God has a beautiful picture of what can be in each one of our lives for this community, for this community of believers. There's something absolutely amazing out there. There is. We have a hope in the future, right? In every one of those areas, personally, as a family, we have a hope in the future. 
You can go ahead and stand. It's just going to take some faith and some steps of faith and maybe shaking some things up and uh, doing some things that we're not comfortable doing and maybe some other people don't approve of. All right. Do you still love me? <laughs> I hear people do that in messages. <laughs> It's actually, anyway, I do want to tell you this. I had a completely different end for this message. If you, the people up there will know because they're just like, well, he didn't do any of these slides, you know. I had a nice, safe, comfortable way to end this message. Oops. <laughs> but I just felt like this was the way to go. So, Father God, we thank you that you are a God that likes to see us grow. And Lord, when we grow, you know, Lord, I'm just reminded right now of watching Callan grow and there's times that his joints and his, you know, I mean, sometimes there's a pain and a discomfort that comes with growing. There's changes that we don't understand. It's like, what, what's happening? And some of that happens without us having to make any choice. But Lord, you're wanting us to grow as individuals, as a church body, as a church family, and make some choices. Lord, you're wanting us to take some specific steps. And Lord, I don't, at this point, I don't even know necessarily what those are. Maybe some individuals know what that looks like for themselves personally. But Lord, I guess all I'm going to do is to say, Father, if for anybody today that doesn't know what their next step is, just, just quietly help us to remember the two things that you, that you told Gideon. One, that you're out for our peace, even though it doesn't seem like it, and you're not going to kill us. That even though this thing may seem so big and so scary, it's like, God, I don't know if I can do that. With you, God, all things are possible. So Lord, help us to remember that you are good, that not only do you have good that you're wanting to release for us, but for everyone around us. Just as we were so blessed as each one stood up last week and just stepped out in faith and did something that they probably or maybe have never done before. Lord, we, we just look forward to seeing things begin to blossom and grow and bear fruit in, in each of our own personal lives, but also for us as a fellowship. We just thank you for this, Lord, because, God, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. So, Lord, I thank you for, for each one for just being so patient listening today. Lord, I bless each one. I bless each one. And, Father, if there's one thing I pray, Lord, that there's a scripture that says that your perfect love casts out fear. Lord, let your perfect love become so big and so real in each one of our lives, Lord, that it not only casts fear out of our own life, out of my own life, but Lord, that it begins, that your love begins to touch the lives of those around us. We just ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, bless you. Have a great week. You're going to be very thankful to have Pastor Eric back next week. <laughs> 
Blessings. <laughs>